0: Hey, welcome to the Health Coaches Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Howard Jacobson. Before we get to today's episode, a question. Would you like to become a wicked effective health coach to help people change their behaviors, change their habits, change their health destinies, and to be able to do it through a reliable process, one that works every time? If so, I'd invite you to check out the well Start Health Coach Training Academy, and you can find it at wellstartcoach.com. And you can check and see when we're running our next training course. All right, let's get to today's topic. Hey Lynette, welcome. I'm looking forward to this conversation with you.
1: Well, thank you, Howard. I, um, I I've so appreciated WellStart and and working with you. And it's it's interesting because I did the WellStart a year ago. It was a year in May, and, and so. My interesting part in the journey, my reason for working with you for coaching one-on-one is that I started getting into, um, and of course, COVID hit, but the things that I'd structured and the things that I set up, the goals uh, that, that I reached, I, I've lost close to 50 pounds. My cholesterol's has dropped 100 points. I'm the, the poster child of a, of a plant-based, I mean, I'm surprised at the things that happened because my goal was to help with my immune system and to improve my health outcomes, but I wasn't focusing on that as much as I was the weight loss. And, and so my reason for reaching out to you is that, here I was, I'm doing so well, and, and then a lot of the structures with COVID changed. Uh, the, what I had built uh, in terms of nutrition and cooking is pretty stable. Uh, and it's interesting if I choose to, uh, if, if I'm overeating or I'm going for, for things that I know, um, aren't the best, they're, they're still plant-based, you know, it's it's interesting. It's like, oh, wow, that change really stuck. But Mm -hmm. what I'm aware of now at this point in my journey is, is the connection between, and I think meditation helped, uh, a lot with that too adding that pillar the the meditation pillar the exercise pillar all of that has helped me to really connect into the the purpose food served
0: and well, yeah so let me let me back up because you you've uh, put out a, put a lot on the table you said you've set a banquet <laughs> um so well, I mean, it sounds like there was this one stage where you were really sort of you know Struggling to just do the things on a daily basis, and it sounds like WellStart really helped with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Can you can you talk about like what were the what were the pillars um, that you were able to you know cling to, or the engines of growth? Like what what was it about WellStart that allowed you to turn around some longstanding habits?
1: I think it was the attitude of creating my own program, but also. It didn't matter how you screwed up. There was a technique, a fast assessment. Uh, when then, uh, working with some of the coaches as they were training, instead of my going to look for another diet, there was this whole bag of tools uh, that, oh, well, okay, this is what happens when you're changing a lifelong pattern. This is what long-term growth looks like. Uh, and Kevin saying, "Oh yeah, everybody screws up." You saying, mm-hmm. "Yeah, everybody screws up." But here's here's X, Y, and Z. And uh, so it was like, "Oh, oh, okay." So this doesn't mean I'm a failure or I'm wrong. This is what it looks like to truly make a health change, a deep a deep health change. Mm. Uh, the other pillar was. Uh, even just taking a look at, at sleep, at the routine for sleep, uh, my sleep habits improved. Uh, but I think the biggest one was behaviorally and also the uh, approach in terms of, of thinking. Because when you look at it, yeah, you have the food environment. But for me, it was how I was relating and thinking about that food environment and what I I had to do at a party or what was expected of me uh, going out for uh, hors d'oeuvres with friends. Uh, mm-hmm. It was just an unconscious way of being.
0: Mm-hmm. So, it so it sounds like that, that was very sort of externally driven, like you're behaving according to a standard that was external to you. Whether oh, it's
1: ab- that- Yes. Yes, an external. And my motivation for doing this was external. You know, my doctor saying you've got to do something, society saying you've got to do something, Uh, you know, it was these external messages about not being okay or being wrong because I was heavy. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, So a lot of my original motivation was based on meeting an external expectation. Even Mm -hmm. my health goals were for an external, to make my cardiologist happy.
0: Yeah. And how did you shift that?
1: I'm still shifting it. Uh (laughs) Well, I think what shifted for me was uh, the pleasure of doing it for myself. And I realized the shift occurred, and that's in my working with you. The shift occurred because I'm going, wait a minute, I set these quotes Goals that were externally driven, and now I'm in a different place because I've met those goals. So why am I still? Why am I doing what I'm doing?
0: Mm. So it's almost you People can become a victim of their success. Yes. Right, and yeah. I see this all the time where people achieve the goal, and then there's nothing else to do, so they'll slide back down I say, wait, hey, I'll let me, you know, let me celebrate, I reached my weight goal, let me celebrate with a party, with a bottle of wine and a, and a cake and a burger.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and I think what, what it is for me is uh, uh, not quite using or going back to those things, but as I'm setting additional goals like intermittent fasting or I, I'm noticing there's a whole level of, of reasons, of rationale, uh, that because I've been successful. And so what, what I've loved about um, Well Start is there's always, there's always been a tool, but I think underneath it for me has been using food as a soother, even the healthy food. So mm-hmm. that's where it's like I'm at a whole other level now of awareness and consciousness about the role that food played uh, in my life. And 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 so I'm noticing the excuses. I'm noticing the reasons to have an extra piece of whole wheat bread. I know, and it's like, wow, this is interesting territory. And at the same time, the life structure that I created dissolved because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So I've had an I've had no gym, no you know, uh, no congregate things that uh, have were part of my exercise structure that I just set up and didn't become conscious it was a connection to friends and different things and so I'm in just a very different territory now and that i really am more in charge because it's like hey yes. I wake up in the morning and create the agenda and there's not the external cues now to make me quotes go do x y or z
0: Yeah, and we tend to think of these external cues, this environmental structure or system as a benefit. And it often is when we're creating it, right? Like we don't wanna be in a place where it's really hard to make the right choice or it's really expensive or inconvenient or inaccessible, right, we want our environment to support and to reflect our goals. And at the same time, it sounds like having your environment disrupted by COVID created the space for you to really internalize the responsibility in a in a whole new way.
1: Uh, yes, yes. Uh, be, it's interesting because with the disturbance of COVID, there's nobody watching. You know, it's like uh, you know, I was getting a lot of feedback. Wow, you know, look at all this weight you've lost. Oh, wow, that was a real ego feed. Uh, wow, look at you're out doing X, Y, or Z, or you're volunteering and at 75. There's a lot of those things that right now is not on the, not on the plate to go do. And um, it, it's just, I'm just finding myself in a very interesting territory right now because that it, it comes down to, I think, an intrinsic value because part of what I'm also aware of under this unprecedented level of life change and stress is that whole sense of of um, and I think Josh had talked about it is making comfort with discomfort, mm-hmm. and you know that's just a, you know that 's just like i've i 've done the things that have helped me to reach my goals, but they 've been very pleasurable mm-hmm. there's been pleasure now i 'm into what 's feeling like uh, hmm. I think I've got some learning here in terms of being with a sense of discomfort and a sense of needing to be this way at a whole other level. And the goals are intrinsic now. There's no, my cardiologist is like, oh, wow, look at you. you know, you're just doing great. We've cut you off. I don't need to see you as much now. Uh, you know." It, it, and so it's just this very interesting territory mm-hmm. I find myself in.
0: Right. And we've been talking and working a little bit with uh, acceptance and commitment therapy or ACT. Right. And one of the pre- principles that I've really found useful from that is sh- changing the nature of the goals. So even if it's an, an intrinsic goal, like I would have an intrinsic goal to get a certain time in an ultramarathon. Mm-hmm. You know, I, didn't, I didn't care what anybody else thought of that, but it was still a goal that I could reach. And at that point, there's always going to be some sort of a letdown or a need to find the next external goal. And the ACT work talks a lot about goals that you can achieve in the moment through the quality of your being. They talk about um, one of the books, Mastering the Clinical Conversation, that has a phrase, help your client find sources of lasting satisfaction. So, so through an overarching goal that doesn't end and that is positive, so that people seek satisfaction as opposed to relief uh, and a quality of action. And I'm curious how that model has informed and, and contributed to your work going forward. Now that it's no longer pleasing the cardiologist...
1: Well, you know, Howard, I'm working on that because I'm. It's having to shift from you know, and I don't mean to discount that, but it is a sense of, of 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 ego gratification, and when you shift this, it's a it's an inner um it's an inner way of being, and I'm still working with what that feels like. Uh, so what I'm what I'm what I'm noticing as I'm shifting from being out in the garden and going to be doing more walking that uh, I had this thing about well why am I why am I putting this off and I'm putting it off and I'm procrastinating and then I read uh, well I will I, I'm only going to do this only if only if it's not raining only if I feel like it and I realized I'm going wait a minute why that's not getting me anywhere because the only if never shows up. And one of the linguistic changes was, um, uh, even if, even if this morning I don't really feel like it and it's raining, but it, even if I could go do that, even if it is raining, isn't that? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So what would that look like? Mm-hmm. So what I'm noticing is I'm needing to change and it's being aware of this inner dictator, these inner rules that I had that i wasn't I wasn't aware of, that as long as my ego's going, "Oh, look at me, I'm doing great now I'm down to wait a second, there's a whole other level of awareness going on here, and what is an intrinsic value in it, and what does it feel like to have it? my life be fulfilled because today I've done something that I immediately uh, feel good about. I'm not having to wait three months until I've accomplished five miles a day. It's, it's in the, it's in the moment that uh, what I did Monday was, well, what would be really satisfying? My goals are still way off. I'm not going to be there for a while, but what today would would bring me some intrinsic sense of value and sense of accomplishment and i dug into a bunch of projects a bunch of gardening and it was with uh, a sense of satisfaction right now i didn't hmm. have to wait yeah it was it was doing the same satisfaction that sometimes uh, munching on food would do
0: uh-huh
1: it, yeah. you know that you know you talk about the that food does make you feel better in the moment. It does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I acknowledge that. Even after all the progress I've made, I can even find really healthy food that can make me feel better in the moment. And my body isn't really hungry. So this is a very new uh, language. It's being aware of the, of the mental tapes that I've got going on still. And I've also, as a part of this act, has helped me to realize don't be shocked that you still have a craving. I'm yeah. going, wait a minute, excuse me. You know, I'm talking to myself going, I've done this now for over a year. I've done X, Y, and Z. Why are you still here? Why are you even showing up? So one of the things I've been learning as I've gone through a craving, and I wasn't successful yesterday, but I decided to be aware with it as my husband and I went out to this Oktoberfest, gorgeous place in the landscape, and had my favorite black habit beer. And I'm sitting there going, okay, so what is it that's so wonderful about this particular beer? And so I'm sipping it and I'm being aware. And I was aware later reflecting back, it wasn't the beer, it was sitting in the sunlight with my husband holding hands and being together. Mm. And so the next time we do that, there's other things there that I'm going to order because I realized later I didn't feel good. Uh, so it's, um, it's that awareness of what I've told myself it needed to be like to be okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, I mean, to me, that's the central um, organizing principle of ACT is this, this idea of psychological flexibility, yes that, right that we have the recognition acceptance of needs cravings desires um the ability to separate from them enough to identify their positive underbelly like there right there's a longing here or a yearning or something yes. positive yes right and yes. so the food not only doesn't give me all of that it just gives me the a quick inoculation against discomfort, but it actually, it's actually like putting a, you know, uh, a dime in the quarter slot. where (laughs) It actually blocks it so that I don't actually get to to figure out what the quarter is that completely satisfies, you know, and, and, uh, and fulfills me in that moment.
1: And what I'm realizing is in his book between the two books I've been reading he had this beautiful exercise about, so, cause I also, part of what I learned about was, or, or, well, start helped so much, but you know, the cravings were, they were, they did subside a lot and it was my expectation is okay. Now that I'm here at this spot as a plant-based person, uh, I had this expectation. I wasn't going to have cravings anymore. So I saw my relationship to cravings as well. Somehow I failed. I haven't done it right. So, in turning that around, it's like, well, okay. Oh, hello, you're here. And I'm, and I'm learning to also give this dictator brain a personality and a name Mm
0: -hmm. and it,
1: and then I'm also looking at a craving right now and going, Oh, okay, here you are. What color are you? You're a messenger. What is it? What is it you're trying to help me to be aware as I'm standing here in the kitchen what is it I really need right now? Well, then there's, and I'm going, well, I don't want to be cooking right now. I don't, I don't want to be standing here. I want to be, Oh, well, wait a minute. Okay. So it's, I think what I'm learning right now is number one to not be afraid of a craving. It's like, Oh, here you are. Okay. That's still a part of me. I don't have to shove and see that as bad. It served a purpose at one point in my life. And I realized in reading the act, the purpose it served the young mom, I wouldn't take the time to rest. I'd make myself a piece of toast and keep on going. Uh, As a director of a huge program, I could walk to Starbucks and get uh, something that boosted me for the afternoon in a difficult, painful, emotional meeting. So I am learning that the ways that I structured my consciousness and my being was always having this as a, as a part of my toolkit. Let's face it, food's there, it's everywhere. And when you've learned to use it as a nurturing entity, you don't want to give it up because it served a purpose. So now I'm learning that there's other tools in terms of awareness, uh, journaling, part of one of the things I'm trying to learn Howard is to get the space in between. You had talked about this before. Uh-huh. You know that space where you don't respond quickly. You can take the space in the moment to slow down enough that you can you can just be aware of what's going on or what you really are feeling. And that that's almost like an art form. Yeah.
0: So, um, and the book I think you we're talking about is uh, Stephen Hayes' "A Liberated Mind," right? Right. That's one of them. Um, and one of the things I loved about that, and I talked about in the podcast that I that I did with um, Dr. Hayes, is the the RFT, the Relational Frame Theory of language, mm. that kind of underpins the whole thing. And we we you know it's it's a complex thing. Well, I don't think it's appropriate to get into all of it. But what really struck me is like we, in, connected to your observation that, man, it's been a year, and this craving is still here. And there's a part of us that is incensed by that. (laughs) Right. Yes. yes,
1: yes, Yeah. And
0: uh, wait a minute.
1: You know, I signed up for because I'll never have this craving again. Yeah.
0: Right. And, And what RFT talking about language in terms of frames, and one of the frames is sort of the opposite frame. There's like a catch-22 in there that if I am going to um, not have the chocolate, and that's like a rule, then all I'm thinking about is the chocolate that I'm not going to have. And you start seeing it everywhere. There's, in, yes. in, that, in the book you recommended to me, The Diet Trap by Lillis Dahl and Wineland, um, they say a common act saying is, if you can't have it, you've got it. Right, because now you're, if I say, well, you can't have, you know, you can't, don't think of a purple polar bear. Right, right. yeah. So to be, to be, um, to be aware that sometimes our best efforts in thinking actually create huge rebounds in terms of cravings. Yes, yes,
1: yeah, yeah, that's been my experience. Because there's a, it's like a force field.
0: Hmm. Say more about that.
1: Well, uh, because I think what you, for me, in, in working with it, it is it's, it's like you have this mental battle going on. And so I think part of what I'm learning to do is to step back because the other thing he talks about is the transcendent self, the um, enduring self that's been there, that's observed. And how do you tap into that? Uh, and, and um, not allow this brain chatter that's always going to be there. It's making friends with a brain chatter because it's part of you. It's going to be there. So how do I just let that be like a, uh, the sign that's going across the stage? Uh, it's something that I can look at, but I don't have to be enmeshed with it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's feeling how that, that fusion, the diffusion he talks about where uh, you know that it's there, but you get all caught up and you get enmeshed in it versus being able to step back and let it flow, let it flow through, let it be the cloud or the leaf in the stream because it's not a state that will stay forever. And the other thing is, is if that craving is there because I'm tired I'm truly hungry. Okay, fine. Then what would that look like? Um, Or do I need a rest? Do I need a glass of water? And uh, it's, it's being able to step into to to what's really real in the moment versus what my brain is chattering about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And there's, you know, and there's two, as I've incorporated act um, I'm aware of its power and also of its limitations um, mm-hmm. And one of those limitations is the body like mm-hmm. there. And this, you know, so connecting it with um, Stephen Porges polyvagal theory right. around like if my body is in fight or flight, there are certain thought patterns that I simply cannot entertain. Yeah. Right. It's, you know, it's like asking, um, you know, a popcorn maker to, to make a latte. Like it can't do it. Right. And my body in fight or flight is a machine with a particular set of purposes and a particular, you know, and a limited set of that. And Mm so, you know, for a lot of us, we have to get our bodies right through breathing through physicality, through muscular tension and relaxation before we're even able to access the act.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree with that because I think part of, Part of it, for me is I think there's pieces of yourself that you learn uh, that get fragmented off uh, as you've grown and learn and I think for me, when in Well start, you were talking about the guardian at the gate
0: mm-hmm.
1: the the soldier that's there that served a purpose, and I think it's also embracing the purpose that it served because I think there was a time in our lives when we didn't have the skill, the insight. The knowledge about breathing, the knowledge about the body—that it's just—it's just something that you reach and do. You don't even think about. And so, part of it for me is to appreciate uh, how very creative, inventive that small child was that developed these skills, that developed the skill of eating, that developed the skill of figuring out how to fit in, that developed this skill. And in a way, it's bringing back it's kind of bringing back that, that, that embodied voice. It is, it's, it's, in, uh, it's in the deep abdominal. One of the breathings that I do is called ocean breathing and it's a deep belly breathing. It's a deepness, it's, it's connecting in to where am I feeling this in the moment? And uh, it, it takes some finesse because food was so quick and easy. Mm-hmm. But it never, but it never worked. And it, cre- as we all well know, it created problems, but this is, um, it's, it's an interesting form of working with self-awareness uh, because uh, it's not real clean and neat. It, it takes, it's a bit of a, it can be a bit of a struggle at times. And uh, it, it's, it's again, um, it's again, embracing all of the self and not uh, judging yourself as bad or wrong or failed. It's like, Oh, this is a whole other level of being and awareness that is grounded very much in the body, not in the head. And yeah. And I'm a, as you can tell by the conversation, a great head person, but being grounded in this, uh, and I'm noticing it more now as I'm out walking. It's like, well, how am I really feeling this right now? Where do I, where do I feel walking? Where, wh- what does it feel like? And it's like, oh, well, sometimes it doesn't feel great because I'd much rather be sitting home drinking a cup of tea. Then again, wow, if you just let the body go and you quit figuring out how you got to do it harder, better, whatever, there's a, there's a joy that's there. There's a pleasure that's yeah. there underneath.
0: Yep. Yep, and that relates to what I, what I think of as the second limitation, is that ACT, for all of its um, – in being informed by sort of spiritual practices of the 60s, is still a product of a, the, the Western mindset, which is still like the individual is the atom that you're working with. Mm-hmm. And he talks about consci- you know, consciousness in relationship – and uh, I think there's, there's work to be done around, like, not just the head, but like where we're connected from, like literally in our guts. Mm-hmm. I, think, yeah. I think there is there's wisdom that we can get when we get out of our heads and into our guts, but also it's more of a collective wisdom. Mm-hmm. And I think because it's a modern Western psychotherapy, it, it doesn't really fully allow itself to explore the idea that we're, we're a representation of the collective as well. And we, we know that we make much better choices on behalf of others than we do for ourselves. Oh, yeah. And so doing mm-hmm. it from a headspace means we got to really crank. We, gotta, mm-hmm. we have to think and we have to empathize. Whereas if I'm in my... And every Aboriginal culture understands that this is the seat of consciousness. You Can't see I'm pointing to sort of like, you know, my, between my belly button and my groin. Right. Like, you know, the dantien or, mm-hmm. you know, the hara. Like that's, I think there's there's an invitation with food in particular, because mm-hmm. it ends up there. Yeah. To have, the, to have yeah. that conversation first, like what do you want at the bottom of the chute as opposed to what does the top of the chute really want to chew or suck on right now?
1: Yeah, because when you think about the, the gut, it's now being called the second brain, the billions of nerve endings, the billions of the knowledge. And also when you think about Uh, the power of that, uh, you know, in indigenous cultures and, you know, the power in that, in that gut. And, uh, and part of what I notice is that when I'm, when I'm in that state of not making good choices, it's all head and mouth. It's not. And I have at that point, sit down with mindfulness and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. What are you, What is this? Because it is learning to listen to that deep, that deep seated awareness and that deep seated signal. And uh, it's a, it's a, it's a new experience. You know, it's not just scheduling that I'm going to have X, Y, and Z today because that's what my head tells me. It's making that shift, but it's also unreliable at this point. I'm working on it. Right.
0: All right. Well, anything else you want to add about your experience? I think this is going to be very helpful. It's good for coaches to hear. um, And also I think for people who are going through the process.
1: Yeah. I, I, I can't say enough about Wellstart. I really can't. I had the opportunity to go to VegFest last year and meet uh, uh, Sanjay Dr. She wrote uh, Code Blue. Uh, Uh Dr. Stancic. Yes. Stancic. She's the, the, Mm -hmm. and I had an opportunity to meet her and she was so encouraging, but I think the quality and the fiber of the people's, the beings that are involved in this are, are amazing because there, there's a lot of grace and there's a lot of, you never get to the end of the road with well because there's always a resource. And I think if your goal is to um, improve your health and improve your life, I can't think of a better a better program. I'm still, what, after a year, I'm still staying part of Well Start and still appreciating it because I have gone through layers of learning. Mm-hmm. You know, the first battle, I think the very first step I took after reading uh, Sick to Fit was have oatmeal. So when I came home from a trip, and let me tell you, I had some pretty lousy oatmeal for five <laughs> different places for five days, but it was like, mm-hmm. wow, oh, look at that. Okay. And I realized after being into it to 10 days, there was a sense of peace at no Mm. longer eating what I was. So uh, I think that wherever anyone is on their journey is uh, not to give up, not to go back to the easy, not to go back to the fast food, the hyper stuff because there's such a much deeper, richer life available by staying, staying even with the failures. Staying yeah. with the days that it doesn't work. Staying with the days that I just go, oh, geez, you know, I knew better, blah, blah, blah.
0: Yeah. It's you know, if, if, if easy were really easy, I'd be doing it too.
1: <laughs> well, but Howard, I also appreciate when you go, oh, yeah, oh, shit, there we go. I just made, yeah, I just ate that and I wasn't really hungry. And it's also embracing the fact that that doesn't stop or invalidate the value of the journey and the value of the program. We're human beings, we're we're humans, we're imperfect. We're gonna show up in this world that's been structured around us with a very primitive body that, uh, God, loved his body that for 75 years and all the crazy diets, that uh, my health has been improved like it has and my vitality is where it is. That's pretty damn amazing when you look at the world saying, ah, you're too old. You can't hmm. change, whatever. No, you can uh, And how that picture will look, it unfolds. It's unfolding. It's what do you do today that brings you and grounds you even in the midst of a mistake? And that's what I'm learning is it's the biggest thing. When I've made some choices I haven't been proud about, what is it I do immediately the next day? Grab my glass of water.
0: Beautiful. Well, Lynette, Lynette, Neil, thank you so much for, well, for, Howard, for, your, for your, your openness, you and, for sharing.
1: Well, I'm, I, I blathered a lot, but hopefully it was helpful.
0: I think it will be. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. Okay. <laughs> so okay. remember, pr- process over outcome. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I well, Howard, fun. If you, you had fun, then hopefully other people watching this will have fun as oh, well. Oh
1: gosh, I hope so. And again, stay tuned. More will be revealed.
0: Awesome, thank okay. you so much
1: Thank you, bye bye Bye. Bye-bye.
0: I hope you found that helpful So if you'd like to become a health coach Or maybe you already are a health coach And you'd like some additional training and more skills Or perhaps you're a health professional uh, Doctor, nurse, dietitian, etc Who would like to be able to influence your patients more effectively Again, check it out, wellstartcoach.com Alright, have a great day